Hi, I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 158, for the weekend starting 11 November 2016. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, we chat about Donald Trump. Just kidding, or are we? <laughs> Trump. <laughs> he might come up. But there's plenty of other more interesting things to talk about this week, like the internet in South Africa is twinning 25 years old this weekend. Wow. Man, I feel old. That is incredible. That is incredible. Also this week, Fed Group's interesting new model to make money from solar panels. Exit Casa, uh, Exit Casa chairman Stephen Ngube dies, and SA firm predicted the Trump victory. And is Twitter dying? Is Twitter dying? Oh, there's so much to get through this week. But let's get this machine rolling. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Let's do our quiz. Do you want to start? Yes, I'll do it. First question. Who's the man, now retired, often credited with bringing the internet to South Africa? Question two, Vodacom and MTN this week said they'll be launching what type of networks commercially in 2017? Third question, which Silicon Valley billionaire has become an active backer of Donald Trump, angering many of his peers in the US tech industry? Uh, I told you we weren't going to get away from Donald Trump. Fourth question, <laughs> yeah. which South African social media analytics company correctly predicted, oh God, here we go again, <laughs> Donald Trump's victory against all popular polls suggesting the opposite? And the last question. Exit Casa chair, Chairman Stephen Klube died this week. He appointed the position in 2010 by which communications minister? That's our quiz. What beer are we drinking? So the beer I brought us today is from a awesome little brewery called Agar's Brewery. They're actually based up the road here in Kaya Sands. Um, and this particular beer, now their range of beers are good. I love, I love they've got a very great American paddle. But this one to me is the one to get if you like a... A strong beer. It's a Tomahawk IPA, 6.5% uh, alcohol by volume, and it is over 100 IBUs. And I say over 100 IBUs jokingly because you know you can't go over 100, but it's quite. It's got quite a high bittering unit uh, on the bittering unit scale. I was going to ask what is an IBU? Uh, international bittering unit. It's just it's just a measurement by which they would rate the bitterness of a beer. Okay. And this one is Pretty one high. of the highest ones you'll find in South Africa. But uh, I have to concur with you. This beautiful. is a fantastic beer. I mean, I love IPAs, but uh, this is one of the best I've tasted. Mm, it's mm. uh, IPAs sometimes get lost in their bitterness. Yeah. But this one's got like a. Um, I mean, I'm going to sound like a snob here. It's got, it's got this almost bouquet of of of, of fruit around yes, it. It's, yes, uh, I find it hits you with floral first, and then there's a like a bitter lingering aftertaste, mm. and that's what I really love about it. Mm. It is one of the most underrated IPAs in South Africa, without a doubt. And, it's very, uh, very good. Kidding. Very, very good. Agar's Brewery Tomahawk IPA. I was just saying to Rechard before the show though that um, it hasn't got the greatest label. Um, if I was in a bottle store looking at this thing, I probably would just look over it because it's got a it's, it's label. It's pretty yeah, dull. Yeah, it is. It is. I agree. I mean, like labeling in, on in the beer industry is such a so important cutthroat. Yeah, cutthroat. Mm. Because I mean, if it's if mm. if you don't look good on the shelf next to any next to any other beers, yeah. I mean, this is, this label is quite old as well, so it's probably time for an upgrade. The other labels look much nicer. They stand out a bit better. I think it's just the green on the mm. the, the gold that does. It's like a lime colored so green yeah. on gold. Yeah. It's not unattractive. It's just not going to really get noticed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, don't let that put you off. If you see this uh, and you're a craft beer aficionado and you don't know about it, then of course grab it. It's, yeah. um, it the content is very good. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the put you off. Yeah, mm. that's it. Anyway, that's going to um, 
I'm, I was <laughs> lost for this phrase in the last podcast as well. Um, I'm just going to look it up on the internet. Um, it's going to um, it's going to get the, the get us talking. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, lots to talk about this week. And uh, the big news, I, I guess, is that uh, the internet. And we, we we ran the story this morning on on Tech Central. I see some other some other websites have copied us since. Um, but uh, the internet in South Africa, 25 years old as of Saturday, the 12th of November. That marks uh, 25 years to the day, a quarter of a century wow. uh, since Mike Laurie and his team at the Rhodes Computing Department um, connected uh, the first um, IP traffic uh, to the United States um, to uh, an early internet pioneer based in um, in Portland, Oregon, of all places, hmm. by the name of Randy Bush. And, um, and they, they connected the country for the first time to the global internet. Fascinating, um, and uh, this fascinating story. If you, um, Craig Wilson, uh, the former uh, deputy editor at Tech Central, wrote a great piece on that back in 2011, which I've uh, republished uh, on the on the website. It's a good read. He went to to uh, Pretoria to to meet with um, with Mike Laurie, um, who who's now retired, um, and uh, he he brought back a, a great a great profile piece on Mike and uh, the, that history, uh, that early history of the internet in South Africa and how the universities got connected and. How they worked with people like um, Alan Barrett at the University of Natal, um, and and really started to create those first connections before the commercial internet service providers arrived on the scene a year or two or three later. Sure, um, I'm just looking at the article too. I mean, the initial speeds were four eight and nine six bits per nine thousand six hundred bits per second. Mm. I mean, that's a four point eight. Yeah, came out. I think I that came later. I think in the right at the start. Oh, really, sitting at seventy bits a second. Yes. if I remember reading correctly. Um, and where we are 25 years later, we've got fiber to, our, to the home. Yes. Oh, you, but you don't have yours My fiber is <laughs> coming in. They finished the installation. I'm waiting for the installer. So um, in about a week's time, I should have a 100 megabit per second connection. Oh, fantastic. Which will be great. Um, certainly, certainly better than 9,600 bits a second. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, go read that story. It's really, really interesting. Um, I'm not going to try and repeat aspects of it here because no doubt I'll make mistakes. Mm. It's quite, quite a complex technical part of the history. There's also a link in there to a paper that Mike wrote back in uh, 1997 now, um, in which he gave his account of the of the story, of what happened. Very technical, um, uh, but if, if, if internet history, the, how the internet came to South Africa is of interest. Now, I think most people in the telecommunications in, industry would find it a fascinating story. Um, yeah. then, then go and have a look at it. It's, um, it's really interesting. Of course, Mike, Craig wrote in that piece back in 2011 that Mike set up his own um, the network in the retirement village that uh, he now lives in. Um, and uh, ensured that all the residents there got cheap access to the internet. Oh, fantastic. Because he created a single server with a single high-speed ADSL line coming into the complex, and all the bandwidth then got shared with, uh, with all the residents across his own network. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so even in his retirement, he, uh, he has continued to be intimately involved in the networking industry. <laughs> Once a gig, always a gig. Once That's a gig, for always sure. a gig. Yeah. 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 Never leaves your system. Anyway, 25 years. What were you doing 25 years ago, 1991? Yeah, I was in school somewhere, not knowing much about the internet. The internet only really became a thing for me, I think, in about 95. Okay. Where I, you know, kind of got an interest in you know, computers yeah. and then the internet. And I had a few friends that had dial-up connections. I think oh, it was right. 24, 24. What's, what, was the, what were those commercial speeds at first launch? I think it was 24 and 48. I mean, it wasn't even the internet oh, back six. then. It was at home, it was it was Beltel, I think. Well, home internet. When did home internet arrive? No, I think it was about 96, modems. 97. That, uh, I'm sort of mid to late 90s. I remember. World Online. and IRC uh, chats. That was a big thing no, back then. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Beltel was more early 90s, late 80s. Um, 
Beltel was useless, my word. So <laughs> slow. <laughs> Um, oh man, we've come a long way, and it's so have, good. Yeah. So good to look back and, and mm. actually see see that we have world class yeah. internet availability. Yes, when when so in '91, I was a first year journalism student. Uh, no way our lecturers then or any of any of the journalism students knew that this thing called the internet was coming and was going to upend their yeah. their careers. They, they they were you know most of them wanted to go work in big newspapers, um, little knowing that uh, the internet was going to wreak havoc on that industry and most of them would never find work there yeah. um, and those that did ended up getting retrenched or having to do other things um, oh, I'll print media unfortunately yeah so um, yeah we've come a hell, a hell of a long way since then uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think the first time I connected to the, the internet the proper internet not not to sort of um, something like a bell teller or an online service was, was in 1994 when I started working um, and uh, I was at uh, Systems Publishers, which was one of the um, early adopters of, of the internet. I remember yeah. Ronnie Apteker, who was um, founder of Internet Solutions. Uh, he personally came down um, from Rosebank to our uh, offices in uh, Craigle Park to set up the internet connection. <laughs> um, and it was on an old Sun Spark station or Sun, wow. Sun, Sun Unix box. And from there, they fed the internet through the, the it was called the Systems Lab. And they fed the internet to our PCs and uh, pre-Wi-Fi days. You had to be plugged in. You had to be plugged physically in, yeah, plugged yeah. in. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was. Um, I'm just trying to think. We were using NCSM Mosaic as the web browser. The web had just launched. Um, it was just starting to take off. Uh, most of the interesting stuff was still on, on FTP services, and there were things like mm. called Archie and Veronica. I can't even remember what they did exactly. <laughs> File retrieval protocols, I think. I remember Archie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know, big websites were, were were things like I think it was called funet.fi and sunet.c. <laughs> um, they were they were Finnish and Swedish Swedish FTP servers where people where people would post interesting stuff, and and you'd literally go on a command line onto these um, FTP servers in Scandinavia and you know try and look for stuff interesting stuff to find on the internet in those days, and there was very little, <laughs> uh, and there were so few websites back then. I think IMDb was around. Um, there was no Google. Yeah. Google only came in 98. Uh, I don't think there were even search engines in 1994. I think those only started emerging in 95, 96. Um, there was very little you could actually do online, but uh, for some reason we were hooked and uh, mm. couldn't stop using it. Yeah, I remember the days of phoning a friend's home directly to be able to connect to them and transfer files. Yes. Um, that's my earliest memory of kind of internet-based technologies. Yes. And it was absolutely fascinating how long you had to wait for anything to happen. Yes. <laughs> well, those pre-ADSL days were really painful. Um, ADSL only came in, I think, in 2001. Mm. Or was mm. it 2003? Could it even be 2003. I think it was 2001. Um, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I remember starting at... It was 800 bucks a month. I remember that. Yeah. Um, which was insanely expensive. I mean, if... We, yeah. For a, for a 512 kilobyte line that... Kilobit line, sorry, that... Um, yes. That uh, had a 3 gig cap. Oh, yeah. I remember the, the infamous 3 gig cap. 3 gig cap. Yes. That stayed around for a long time. Uh, 800 bucks a month. Yeah, and I, I remember I was sharing that connection with a mate of mine who I was staying with at the time... And um, somehow we managed to, we, we, had, we had a rule, no, no torrenting, no <laughs> multimedia downloads, no video, nothing like that. Um, but we always seemed to run out of bandwidth by the middle of the month. And you couldn't even top it up. So yes. you ran out and you were out of, you were out, that was it, you were offline for the rest of the month. <laughs> oh, scary days, I mean, yeah. 
Unbelievable. And then leased lines, two megs were kind of the thing for big companies, and now you have yeah. 100 megs coming into your house. It's yeah. ridiculous. Well, it's a gig in effect, but uh, but uh, you know, no, no, none of the ISPs are really offering gig, gig yeah, options. Yeah, true, true. Except for MWeb, and uh, their, their package doesn't seem to make a lot of sense at the price. But uh, yeah, um, we've come a long way. Who can you just imagine where we might be twenty five years from now? Oh, that's scary, man. Um, I mean, I, th- I think augmented and virtual reality will be indistinguishable from. Yeah, I mean, virtual reality will look like real reality if, if I can use that uh, that phrase. Um, uh, fortunes will be will, will have come and gone. Apple mm. may not, you know, Apple may not be around anymore. Today, it's the biggest tech company in the world. Um, Everything's going to be connected without a doubt. Everything will be Everything connected, will be connected yeah. without a Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every device will have a connection. Um, it'll, be the f- yeah, it'll be the future's future. We'll have flying cars and automated driving machines. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, we'll certainly have self-driving cars. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, that's here in a few years. Um, but we'll probably have quite advanced. question is, in 25 years, will you still be allowed to drive your car? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's maybe they'll have thought. designated areas for people who want to actually go and drive. Yeah, that's only reserved for track days. Yes, yeah. I don't think you'll ever get away from man's need to drive a machine. Mm. It will definitely be a factions of that. I, I hope not. Actually, I hope not. I like driving. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, yeah. definitely. Mm. I've done a lot of Ubers recently uh, when I was without a car, and it's yeah. just not the same. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. anyway. So I went to a very interesting launch this week. Um, a company called Fed Group. Have you ever heard of Fed Group? Yes. Don't know them well, but I know of them. They um, they're an interesting company. They're family owned. They're not listed. Um, they they they're a wealth creation, wealth management company, as far as I can tell. Uh, but they've done some interest. They've come up with this interesting. I just want to get the story up on my screen here, so I can get this absolutely right. But um, they've come up with an interesting new model, and they've started with. Um, they're a financial services provider, so that's how they describe themselves. Um, and uh, they, they've launched a new project that allows um, members of the public. And I'm just reading here to own one or more solar panels that then form part of a larger facility located on the roofs of commercial and industrial buildings. And then they then earn rent from those based on the amount of power that, that uh, their solar panels generate. Uh, now, they've run the numbers, and they think that uh, you're looking at an 11% a year return over the 20-year 20, 20 lifespan of the project. Hmm. Um, so it's a very different way of simply putting your money in the bank or buying shares on the stock market or buying any other financial instrument. It's actually buying a physical thing, which is, um, which is then converted into wealth, uh, through its lease to landlords who then pay you based on the amount of electricity that your panels generate. Now, it's a very, very interesting way of, very um, interesting of, of, of making money. And it, 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 it's, it could work quite well, especially in a market like South Africa where there is so much sunshine. Oh, yeah. Especially in the interior of South Africa. But do they talk about how they'll feed that back into, grid, into the grid? Isn't that always the contentious no. issue? Or? Well, I presume that will come later, but they're not feeding it into the grid at the moment. They're feeding it into the buildings on, on which these, uh, on which these um, oh. solar panels are being installed. So it's the landlord paying for that, for that access to the, to the electricity. Um, so it's an interesting model. I presume that feeding into the grid is something that will come. Um, I mean, I know there are plans to allow that at some point. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the what the current state of, state of play there state of play is there, and um, um, maybe we should um, 
speak to someone about that because it'd be an interesting subject. Uh, uh, and I'm not, I'm not actually sure what's holding it up. I think they're starting to do it in Cape Town, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, Cape Town. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but um, a very interesting model and they say that this is not only going to apply to the solar panels but this could apply to just about anything um, they were reluctant at the launch to talk about what they've got planned next uh, what, what products they could be looking at next but um, interesting model uh, I'm almost tempted to go to their website and buy one of their solar panels just to try it out what well, do they give costings of uh, the solar panels? I haven't had a look on their website yet I, I'm not sure if it's live yet I think it is live um they offer a guaranteed residual value of a thousand rand. So at the end of the twenty-year term, owners either take physical ownership of the panel or they can sell it back um, with a guaranteed residual of a thousand rand. Um, but if you go to Fed Group, uh, you should you should find the uh, pricing there. Rachel's just seeing if you can uh, you can dig that up. But really interesting model. It's it's like nothing I've come across. So it's really innovative. They claim it's a world first. I don't know if that's true, but uh, they claim it is. Um, it's no, that is fascinating. I mean, it's about time that uh, that we really st- start looking at ways in which we can implement and monetize this, or at least yeah. bring the costs down, because that's always been. And it's a, it's an interesting way of getting the costs down for the, la- the yeah, landlord yeah. as well, uh, because it's being paid for. Um, so this could actually, it has the potential, I'd imagine, to to really um, rapidly expand the uh, installation of, of um, solar panels uh, in South Africa. Um, which would be fantastic because um, it's a clean source of energy. It reduces reliance on ESCOM, um, which is you know their their grid is under pressure. Uh, mm. I think I've it's just, fantastic. I've just gone to the website now. So as you click in and you click buy from the main page, you select a site first, and there's five sites up here. Yeah. Cresta, Fricker Road, uh, Commons Building, and so on. Yeah. If I click on Cresta, I can, there's, they say there's 515 panels remaining. So you obviously okay. buy one of the panels that they want to install, yeah. right? Uh, it says here five thousand two hundred rand oh, per panel. Yeah, so it's five thousand two. Yeah, it's about five grand a panel. Five two. Yeah, yeah. So can I, can I get your credit card quickly? I'll buy thirteen, here we go. fourteen, seventy-two thousand. <laughs> All five hundred and fifteen of them. <laughs> I'm sure it's tax uh, tax deductible. How much would it cost to buy five fifteen as a matter of interest? I think you can type it there. Then. Oh, just uh, uh, five. Two point seven million rand. <laughs> Yeah, here's my credit card. <laughs> I think the daily limit might uh, restrict us. I think I might oh, get a call from very my bank. very interesting. <laughs> 5,200 rand. I mean, that's not a huge amount of money to invest. And no. uh, and they, they they say you'll get an 11% return on that per year. Per year. Hmm. Interesting. So um, that's what's just running off the top of my head. It's almost 600 rand a year. Is this is this like crowdsourcing for, for the hardware? I don't think so. In a different model? No, where you buy something that... Because you're not going to have it physically on your roof. You're, no. you, you, you're contributing towards... You own it, but it'll be on someone else's roof, and you'll probably never see it. Um, you'll just get the return. Yes, exactly. You'll just get the money back every year. Um, now, the question is, does this company guarantee a return? Probably not. Um, so you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to um, believe that they're going to generate a return of approximately 11%. Look, I think one thing is certain, at least in my opinion, that... I think the early adopters in this is obviously going to be a sweet spot with the cost of the hardware. I mean, if the hardware drops yeah. significantly, it might be an issue. But um, the early adopters are the ones that's going to going to be the ones that's able to lead the the solar panel um, yes. fight. You know, yes, because um, there's going to be a big demand for for more electricity, and if those guys are ready to provide, it makes a lot of sense mm. uh, to be a part of that. 
Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, worth checking out. If you're interested, the website is fedgroup.ca.za, but, but there's also an article on Tech Central uh, with more details, so go check that out. Um, very tempted to just buy one and see how it goes. Might do it this weekend. Do it. Do it, Duncan. I want to see how it works as well. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we need to take an ad break. Uh, we need to, well, we need to. We will be back uh, right after these messages. Hello world. Hello information. Hello uploads and downloads. Hello streaming videos and low latency. Hello blogs and vlogs. Hello crystal clear video calls. Hello increased productivity. Hello online learning. Hello cloud. Hello long lost friends and missed connections. Hello limitless possibilities and instant gratification. Say hello to premium high speed fiber from Vox Telecom. Pleasure guaranteed. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Chicken or beef? Chicken or beef? Chicken. There are so many companies offering fiber at the moment, but with Vox Telecom's premium high-speed fiber, you'll be joining the Smile High Club. Duck or salmon, sir? We call it business class fiber. We guarantee our uptime and can tailor our services to suit your needs and budget. Say hello to Business Class Fiber from Vox Telecom. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it? Uh, so, um, Stephen Hubert, did you ever meet him? No, I didn't. No, he was uh, the uh, chairman of ICASA, the communications regulator between 10, 2010 and 2015. We broke the news this morning that he had sadly passed away on Thursday. Um, he was uh, 70... 76 years old, um, just celebrated his 76th birthday actually, uh, and um, he led ICASA for over a five-year period, uh, appointed in 2010 by the former Communications Minister General Sapiwe Nyanda. Uh, he had a mixed track record, um, you know, people's critics have said he had a bit of a lackluster record, didn't achieve a huge amount, uh, probably his biggest achievement was was termination rates, call termination rates, mobile call termination rates, getting those down, which had an impact on retail rates. Um, although the the process was was badly managed, and in the end, the court actually found that Icasa, Icasa's um, regulations were were invalid, but decided to they would stand anyway uh, in the public interest. Um, so they 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 kind of got lucky there, I suppose. Um, but always a, a very affable, friendly chap. Um, even when he was criticizing you, he was uh, uh, he, he was very good-natured about it and uh, always friendly. He was very old school. Uh, I, I think it could be argued that he was um, he was too old to be re- leading a, a regulator that covers a young industry, um, technology. Uh, but he, he always joked about that as well, joked about his age, made, made light of it. Um, but he was appointed at the age of almost 70 um, to, that, uh, to that crucial role. He took over from Paris Machile, who's uh, back at Icasa as, a, as an ordinary councillor, not as chairman. Um, but uh, passing away this week, uh, well, well known in the industry, um, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to miss him. Anyway, let's move on to more positive news. Um, very interesting company called Brandsai. Um, they're, uh, I always struggle to describe them. They, I guess they're a social media analytics company. They, they, look, at, they look at social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and others, and they, 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 they look for trends in that data. They, they're almost like, they almost mine big data in a way. Yeah. It's yeah. specializing in, in social media. And they mine that data for trends. They work with clients, um, and, and they, can, they can provide insight to their commercial clients on, on what consumers are saying about them, what consumers are thinking about them. 
I used them before, and they're very, very good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think they came out of Quirk, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and uh, so they, uh, a couple of months ago, we ran a story on uh, before the, uh, the the UK voted about whether to leave the European Union or not, and all the polls were saying um, that uh, that the Brexit vote was going to fail. All the polls. And uh, they came out and they did a, uh, the study of, of social media and they, they said, based on what we're seeing, based on what people on the ground are saying on social media, we believe that the, that the UK is going to vote for Brexit, despite the fact that every single major poll says this is not going to happen. And they were right. Now, maybe they, got, maybe they just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was interested if they were going to do it again with the US election coming up. And they did. Um, and a day or two, I think it was three days before the election, um, they, they sent uh, Tech Central a, 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 an article on their views based on their analysis of social media and what's going to happen in the US. Now, once again, all the major polls were saying that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. And they put out this thing saying that, sorry, everything that we're seeing on social media is actually pointing to Donald Trump winning. Hmm. Um, now, even I didn't think this was going to happen because I didn't think Donald Trump was going to win. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> the orange menace is going to be Trump in the White won. House in a few weeks. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. Um, now, I was joking. It's a pity you can't apply the same thing to the horse races or <laughs> the lotto. <laughs> the lotto no uh, um, Because, I mean, that's pure, pure, uh, a game of pure chance. But um, it, it's very interesting. And I, I think that... Um, I think that people should be start paying more attention, particularly election around elections. Mm, people should be mm. paying more attention to this. Um, and I'd like to see. In fact, these guys did some stuff around the um, South African local government elections on the third of August as well. And they also predicted that uh, the big cities were going to fall to coalitions. Interesting. Um, uh, so maybe there's something to this. Maybe then you know, maybe it's not. Uh, I don't know, what do you call it, um, pseudoscience? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's actually something to it. And uh, I, I, I'm going to be watching very carefully the analysis that this company does of future referendums, future elections. Uh, oh, definitely. Because um, to, to, I, I, th- I think, there's, I think they may, there may be something to this. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if you look at uh, online chatting, uh, people are obviously barring any organization paying for fake uh, mentions and comments. Yeah. But I think there's just too many people with an opinion online, and then if you can get the right aggregation of the right comments and, and yeah. content, yeah. Um, it needs to point. To, it needs to point to the true voice. Yes, um, it's very interesting. Although yes. having said that, you know, there's a lot of analytics companies around the world that um, touted they're the best, and they totally got it wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think maybe they maybe they got that uh, little X factor. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. You may last news item I want to look at this week was um, some news that came out of the States that uh, the t- Twitter's chief operating officer and head of sales has resigned. Um, it sent Twitter's share price lower. Um, and there's been nothing but negative news around this company over the last year. Um, people saying now that that the CEO, um, whose name has just slipped my mind, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Yeah. I was going to say Ev Williams, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's not Ev. Uh, uh, Jack Dorsey, that, that he really needs to give up the CEO. Or he needs to focus on one of the businesses, either Square or Twitter. Uh, he, he, of course, is head, heads up both companies at the moment. Um, and questions are rising about the company's strategy. Now, with the head of sales and the chief operating officer resigning, what does it say about the future of the company? What, I mean, 
we're 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 a sample of two here, Richard, but how how is your I love Twitter. I love Twitter. You still love, it. You still no, love, I love it. it. It's okay. my main source of any information. Because yeah. I find by following the right amount of people, the yeah. right people, yeah. you can get breaking news even you know, yeah, yeah. at the moment it it, it it kind of gets announced or breaks. That's so true. Um, like this afternoon with this resignation exactly, the exactly. here, yeah. I find the conversation on Twitter and <coughs> I say user word conversation probably incorrectly, but yeah. the conversation on Twitter I find is a lot more especially because the people you're following is people that you don't respect or want to follow, you want their opinion. Yes. Um, Facebook is slowly starting to get there for me, but Facebook still has too many other things, you know, kind of the, the family and friends aspect, which I, which you can't really bring into this conversation. Facebook's more of a, a, a personal network. It's more of a, right, a family, yes. friends, where you share your holiday snaps yes. or you, whereas Twitter's a, a more of a current affairs, news, exactly. business uh, driven thing. It's it's quite a different beast. And it's got very. It's yeah. You know, and again, by following the right people, you get the right because it's of the nature of the platform with limited yeah. characters. Yeah. You know, you get you don't get a lot of noise and waff, or I find you don't get a lot of noise. Mm. You know, it's just a, and I as use, long as you follow the right people. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, and and to that point, you know, using TweetDeck to me is imperative. I can't oh, use yeah. Twitter without TweetDeck. Yeah. Because of the way that the information is spread out, you know, yeah. you need to be able to either capture streams yes. or um, multiple stream You're sets right. um, and be able to view it. I prefer. Like, that's interesting, actually. I, you know, I, I I prefer Facebook as a mobile platform, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Twitter I prefer as a desktop uh, yes, platform. I don't like it on agree. mobile. And the, you don't the, get I think this experience on mobile. You don't. T- TweetDeck is fantastic software, but the, the the other interesting thing I think is that is that in TweetDeck you're, you're getting immediacy, whereas on the mobile app they they Twitter curates the the, yeah. the tweets, so yeah. they're showing what, while you were away. Actually, I don't want to know what happened while I was away. I want to know what's happening right now. Exactly. How do I get rid of this? And I'll scroll down when yeah. I want to get to an hour past. Um, yes. I agree. I agree yes. with that. Yes. Um, so I, I don't think they're doing it quite right on mobile. I think t- Twitter is an immediate platform. You hear, mm. oh my word, Brian Malefe has stepped down at ESCOM. Jump onto Twitter. You want to see what people are saying about it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think, again, because of the free character, it's a lot quicker. People don't have to, you know, you don't mm. necessarily... Th- think too much about what you want to say because you're either linked to more information or you put a statement out there which yeah. could be done in 140 characters yes i'm a big twitter fan and and, and i really hope that they can pull themselves together and yes firstly not make this thing too complicated i mean i use a lot of ad uh, twitter ads as well yeah which i think from a business point of view is also if you can do it right you're hitting the right do you find they work for you yeah yeah no, i think i think better than facebook ads no facebook ads are still better because simply because the markets that i'm trying to attract um yeah you know on my other day job so they the, the the audience is more facebook but right. if you're looking if you're looking at the media kind of real content generating if you if you if you've got a company that needs to push a message in that in that platform yeah. or in that to that audience yeah um, Twitter ads can work very well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm also I'm also a complete tweet deck tweet deck addict. Mm. Um, as you know, Rakhad, I've got a three monitor setup on my <laughs> desk, and uh, my right hand monitor <laughs> yeah. is tweet dedicated to tweet deck. It's a sight to behold if you haven't seen it. Uh, get, get Duncan to post a photograph on Twitter about it because it's it's well. Worth. Well, let me describe it. In the, in, on, on, on the left and right, I've got two 24 inch 1080p <laughs> Samsung monitors, which I need to upgrade at some point. And in the middle, I've got a 40-inch Philips 4K monitor, yeah, um, yeah. which uh, is, I think just is just beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yeah no. 
Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to put 40-inch uh, 4Ks on the left and right, too, I suppose. <laughs> Has your wife said anything about your love for this monitor? Because, I mean, it, there's a grey line. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't made love to it yet. <laughs> no, no, of course, that's a grey line. But <laughs> I didn't put the word yet in there. <laughs> you can bring it to bed and say, we're just watching Netflix, babe. <laughs> my, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> it is that beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Twitter's not dying according to this sample of two people. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but uh, but uh, Twitter, you need to sort out your mobile app. The question is, what could Twitter become? I mean, it, uh, it's either going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be bloat, become bloatware if they do the wrong things to yeah. it, um, or so, you know, or if they can make if they can direct this thing because this is not like any other startup, like any other social yeah. network. It's really carved. It, it's really got a niche carved out for itself already. Yes. And I think it's a very fragile niche if you mess with it. Yes, you know, the 140 yes. character limit, if they increase that, is it going to ruin the platform? You know, yeah. it's, that's debatable. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's why it's such a, a fragile social network that mm. I don't think they should mess around with mm. too much. But the question is, do the shareholders make money? Mm. I don't know if they do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still got an incredible valuation. I think they're worth about $20 billion. Sure. But it's nothing compared but to Facebook. But you know valuation, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Facebook's what, worth $400 billion, I think. But I love Twitter. Don't go anywhere, please. Right, that's our news this week. Um, our winner and loser, we'll get through those very quickly because we kind of covered them while we were talking today. Our winner this week is Brandzai, simply for, for, for defying all the polls, not only predicting Brexit correctly, but predicting, uh, but predicting that, uh, that uh, the orange Trump. menace would make yeah. it into the White House. Um, I, uh, I'm very perturbed by the whole thing, I must say, but let's not go there. <laughs> on a side note, on the Trump victory, if you... If you the best, if you want to get the best out of this whole Trump victory, go to, this is not a paid for endorsement, go to Rock Mamas and order the Trump burger. It is wonderful. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. And it's got a little hidden surprise if you if you, if you like spicy foods. Oh, chili. Chili, in the <laughs> chili yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of chili on top. Oh, good stuff. I'm just going to try that. Uh, and our loser this week, uh, Brian Malefe, the CEO of ESCOM, who has fallen on his sword mm-hmm. uh, and will leave ESCOM on the 1st of January. As Hilton Tarrant tweeted uh, a little bit earlier this afternoon, if you're innocent, why quit? Yeah. I guess it'll all come out eventually. It will. It will. Indeed. Um, but uh, let's, let's hope this isn't a preamble to uh, Brian Malefa taking over as the finance minister. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's your pick this week? So I discovered a very cool service that launched locally, and it's very similar to a massive, or in my opinion, a very massive international startup or American startup that uh, happened a year or two ago. You know dollarshaveclub.com? I've heard the name. So if you haven't uh, seen or heard about this, go to YouTube, Google Dollar Shave Club, and watch their kind of promo video when they when they started the company. But essentially... Um, the South African version of that, and I, and I was uh, for a long time been hoping that, that some something like this would launch in South Africa. Yeah. It's called ShaveUnion.co.za, and essentially the the model is simple: you pay X amount per month, every two months or every three months, and you get razor blades delivered to your door. That's not <laughs> that's not uh, the big name brands. And as you know, if you use Gillette and all of those things, which I do, yeah, um, it's pricey. It's very expensive. So yeah. I saw these guys pop up. I think they literally launched a week ago. Um, I thought it was I like to experiment with these things so I placed an order on Wednesday yeah um and I'm very impressed. So I'm a bit worried because you've got a, quite a heavy five o'clock shadow going on. No, I, didn't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't used the blades, but I have checked them out. I mean, it literally just arrived today. But everything I've seen about this is, is, okay. is pretty impressive. And, I've, and, and I'll feedback next week. But right. from what I've seen, I think this is definitely going to be a winner. Okay. So when you, sign, when you want to sign up, you've got three options. Um, if you shave 
five to seven times per week. Yeah. If you five two to four days per week, or if you sh- if you shave one day per week. So I'm kind of in that category. Okay. Um, you either pay so that there's a flat fee of one sixty nine. You're either going to pay. Uh, one sixty-nine every month, every two months, or every three months, depending right. on how regularly you want um, your blades. Okay. The process so far has been very slick. When I placed the order, I got an SMS to say that uh, they've got it. It's being shipped. When it was shipped, it's they told me it was on its way. Mm. And, and a day later, I actually received uh, the device. You can choose from one of three blades as well, which is quite cool. You know, um, you know, different colors: a matte black, uh, orange and silver, and a blue and silver. Okay. And, I went for the the black one. Uh, you use a sh- you use a, sh- uh, a razor, right? Yeah. Okay, so you kind of understand a good quality what it is. Yeah. Now have a look at this one. I mean, that is that is not bad quality. So, I've just handed. Uh, I suppose you need to test it though. Uh, no, you need to test it. But if you look at the quality of the blades, yeah. I mean, it's got the four. What's it? Five blades, I think. Um, it's blades, got a little yeah. strip up there. Yeah. A blade isn't a complete. You don't <laughs> like the Dollar Shave Club video says. If you watch it, it's quite funny. Yeah. You know your grandfather. Your grandfather had uh, one one blade and polio, and he was fine. <laughs> um, you know, you only need something that's got uh, that's sharp enough for you to use for a few shaves, and yeah. then you chuck it away. Um, mm. And I, you know, spending two hundred rand on blades isn't mm. everybody's cup of tea. So. Yeah. Um, I'm very impressed so far. What I got was obviously the the shaver, uh, the shaving unit with a blade, and then a, a pack of three extra blades. Okay. Um, like so that comes all for one sixty nine. Yeah, for one sixty nine, okay. and every three months I will get um, a new set of. Uh, I think I get a new shaver and blades, but I could be okay. wrong. But okay. uh, I will let you guys know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm quite impressed with the whole package so far. And like okay. I said, I, you know, you're definitely going to have to report back in the next episode about whether that's. I will. I will. Yeah. Um, it, the, if you look at the blades, it's a plastic blade. It's not as complicated as the Gillette blades. Yeah. But it's got enough play in it. Yeah. It's got a little wax strip, uh, a little uh, uh, moisturizer strip on top. Yes. But I mean, yeah, these blades are, it's, it's essentially a replica of what a Gillette blade would look like. Mm. Um, I am very impressed so far. And I think okay. the quality of the product speaks for itself too. If, no, it, it looks good. It, it looks good. Yeah. It looks good. But um, Let's get right here. Do, you know, do, you, know, do you know who the guys are behind it? I don't. Like no. I said, I've only discovered these guys uh, two days ago. I did um, kind of did some bracket search to see who the actual person is. Yeah. Uh, I found that out, but um, I don't know what kind of other things are involved in. Okay. Um, but yeah, very slick setup, very slick system. Okay, pretty cool. That's well, a nice pick. Out. I will, nice I will, I will bet the refund on this that that is going to be a good play. <laughs> cool. My pick this week is actually related to podcasts. I um. I've been looking for a good podcast uh, player for my uh, Android uh, device for, for, for quite a long time. And I've been using a couple of them, and I haven't really been happy. Uh, I've been using free ones. Um, and I've come across something called Pocket Casts. Um, it's not free. Um, the Android version is in the Play Store for about 38 Rand, which is not much. Um, so that's why I didn't think twice about purchasing it. Hmm. Um, it's available on all the other platforms, all the major platforms, Windows, Windows Mobile even. Uh, it's available wow. on iOS and it's available on uh, for with, for the web. Um, the only downside is you have to pay for it for each platform. Um, oh. So uh, if you if you if you use both the web version and the Android version, you'd have to pay for both. Um, uh, the web version is nine dollars, so it's a bit pricier as well. Um, but um, the, the, I, I think that if you're looking for a podcast player, you tend to listen to podcasts when you're in the car. Like, at least that's what I do. Um, so I don't need to listen to podcasts on my computer. So, um, so purchasing the app is enough for me. And what I like about it is it's really, it's really beautifully designed. It's, it's, it's designed with Google's material design. Um, so it looks good on your Android device. Uh, and it's so simple to use. Um, I find a problem with so, with so many of these, with these podcast apps is, is firstly, they're ugly. Yeah. And secondly, it's, they're really difficult to use. 
Um, this one is, is so simple, and um, it, it's it's I, I, I searched for some pretty obscure podcasts. You know, it's an American it's American software. Search Tech Central found found the Talk Central podcast, no problem, added nice. it. Um, and uh, so I've ad- added a bunch of podcasts. I'm listening to so many podcasts now. There's so many great podcasts yeah, out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm enjoying TED Radio Hour. Um, I'm doing doing something called the Infinite Monkey Cage from BBC uh, Radio hmm. Four, which talks about science. Um, the Verge cast I listen to from time to time, which is obviously the the one done by the Verge in the US. Um, Bloomberg Technologies recently launched one called Decrypted, which is quite good. Uh, I listen to old favorites like uh, Windows Weekly, This Week in Tech, MacBreak Weekly. Yeah, yeah. Um, quite enjoy some of the Cliff Central podcasts. So uh, Gareth's, oh, yeah, Gareth's yeah. guests are quite good. I I like the um, the Renegade reports just simply because it's completely politically incorrect. Um, and the Daily Maverick show is quite good as well. Uh, so. Um, yeah, uh, it's a cool app. If you're looking for a new podcast app, you don't like the one you're currently using, um, or uh, or you're new into podcasts and you're looking for something um, that works on uh, uh, on your phone, um, again, you're going to need to pay for separate versions if you use different platforms. Um, but I, I think most people won't. Um, I think you. I th- yeah, I mean, the, the days of free apps. I, I don't know. I, I would much rather pay for something and know it's going to yeah. be a properly supported app that does what it needs to exactly. do. Exactly. Try a free. You know, as long as it's not too expensive, I, I, yeah. I don't have a problem. I mean, I, I use the Nine email uh, system, N I N E. Exchange yes, mail client. Yes. That's excellent. I, I, I think I paid a hundred bucks for that originally. That was before Microsoft Outlook came to the mm. to the Play Store. But um, fantastic email app and with worth supporting the developer and I think the same with this Pod Pocket Cast app so uh, if you're looking for a decent podcast player go check it out and uh, make sure that uh, Talk Central is the first podcast you add oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Rachel should we do our quiz results yes let's do so the first question who is the man now retired often credited with bringing the internet to South Africa the answer Mike Laurie question two Vodacom and MTN this week said they'll be launching what type of networks commercially in 2017 very interesting narrowband Internet of Things networks. So uh, they're going to be using their existing license spectrum allocations to to launch these networks called uh, NB-IoT, um, specifically designed for low-powered IoT devices. Fantastic! Yeah, yeah it's nice to have mm-hmm. that on a separate uh, bandwidth uh, location. Yeah. 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 It's exciting times. Are you ready for the Internet of Things revolution? Yeah, I can't wait to attach something to my dogs. I know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same with my cats. I can't wait to see where those little things go. Anyway, third question. Which Silicon Valley billionaire has become an active backer of Donald Trump, angering many of his peers in the U.S. Mm. tech industry? <laughs> the answer, Peter Thiel. Which South African? Of course, he was. He made his money through um, through PayPal. With, oh yes, with Elon, with Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah. Which South African social media analytics company correctly predicted Donald Trump's victory against all popular polls, suggesting the opposite? And of course, the answer is Brands Eye. The last question: Exicasa Chairman Stephen Gube died this week. He appointed. He was appointed to the position in 2010 by which communications minister? The answer: Sepiwe Nyanda. That's our show. Um, as always, if you've got any feedback, we love to hear, hear your feedback. Our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, from Rekhada myself, take care. Ciao. Ciao.